0: Welcome to the shit show of my twenties. My name's Sophia. I'm in my early twenties, and man, has it been full of shit shows. <laughs> it's been great. It's been career changes, industry changes, pivots, highs, lows, crying, happy, everything in between, and it's been great. And I just really wanted to create the show to hopefully share with you guys that we all go through the craziness of our twenties. We all go through these shit show moments and we all grow through them and I hope that you're able to see yourself in some of these stories and if any of these episodes resonate with you I would love for you to share it with a friend as well as leave me a review on iTunes it really helps and if you want to connect with me my Instagram's the shitshow in my 20s and yeah without further ado let's get going Today's guest is Bishu, I love chatting with her, she is a brand stylist and holistic guide, specializing in visionary life design for conscious entrepreneurs, her therapeutic process teaches business owners how to use psychedelics and healing practices to retrain their nervous system and clear limiting mental blocks. She's an integration alchemist that offers transformational retreat experiences and one-on-one coaching. In this episode, we go into so many incredible things from her experience and how she got into psychedelics, what she sees entrepreneurs have blocks with, as well as energetic hygiene. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started so thank you so much Bijou for joining me today I'm really looking forward to getting to know you I'd love to start telling me about your 20s feel free to include any shit show moments here resonate with let's <laughs>
1: start there oh goodness I loved my 20s I'm also in love with the fact that I'm not 20 anymore <laughs> I really had a lot of fun I was really doing my due diligence to figure myself out put myself in a hairy situations so and see how I would get out of them to put myself in the highest Highs and the lowest lows. I definitely pushed myself really hard in my 20s, and I feel like that is definitely because of our society and and my upbringing, which I'm grateful for the opportunity to know myself the way that I do now because of it. I was definitely a hard partier in my 20s. I was out all the time. I didn't know how to be home alone with my thoughts. I definitely drank a lot and was extremely social. And And grateful for those opportunities still, like I said, but also glad that I don't drink like that anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And I'm curious about what you said about due diligence, about figuring out who you are in your 20s and what you meant by that.
1: So I I don't know if anyone else gets this kind of advice when they're growing up, which I wish more people would if they don't, but you can make mistakes in your 20s. You can be a shit show in your 20s. You, your body can handle it. Your life can typically handle it to, within, to an extent, obviously. But I do think you need to kind of put yourself in a bunch of different situations. And that means dating a bunch of different types of people and trying different jobs and going down different rabbit holes when it comes to hobbies traveling just really trying to figure out who you are because it's important to your 30s that you actually took the time to figure out who you are in hard situations or who you are um, that brings you joy and maybe how you can bring your gifts to the world and so I think that I probably worried some people that I was close to and by that I mean some maybe some family members because I would get really and interested in different avenues and i didn't understand how all of those paths would meet together one day and thankfully they have in a really interesting way but i kind of gave myself permission to go down all of those paths and didn't really take to heart some of the advice that i got that's like are you sure you don't want to work a corporate job for 50 years like i did and so yeah it's kind of just like giving yourself permission to find out who you are in your 20s for sure mm-hmm. i
0: love how you referred to it as due diligence right because when I think of due diligence I think of a property or I think of like investing in a business or something else but I never think about it compared to our 20s in terms of like did we really try different things and give ourselves like permission to go in different routes and see where it could go and like if you were to narrow down like your 20s to like one major growth moment probably like sucked in the moment was like awful you didn't know but like it turned out to be like really good you learned a lot from it what do you think that moment would be for you?
1: I think that it was a few moments that all had the same theme to them. And I think that what they were is me exercising my bravery in the sense that I would completely shift what made me comfortable into something that made me very uncomfortable. And that might have been like the time where I was very much a night owl and I was like a bartender and I completely shifted into like a morning job or like I was very comfortable with like a group of friends and a sided town and I would completely shift into something that I wasn't comfortable with to kind of almost like test myself and and shake things up because I need routine and monotony to be okay but I also get very bored in like those patterns and so I almost have to like shift a lot in my life and so I would say those major shifts really taught me a lot about myself and empowered me enough to think that I could make even bigger shifts or more risky shifts later on in my life with maybe my finances or moving to a different state or changing the trajectory of my business. And so yeah, it was kind of like testing myself in those moments and showing myself that I'll be okay, even if I'm going really against my grain.
0: Yeah. And like, how did your path like unfold to getting into like the work you're doing now? Like what inspired you? How did that kind of unfold for you?
1: Yeah, so the the path was interesting in the sense that I have these like, maybe I call them little gems inside of me that sometimes they all kind of got powered up in different aspects of my life to where now I utilize them all. So originally, I was into consumer behavior and fashion merchandising because I love, the beauty that humans are capable of putting together, whether that be in fashion or in marketing or in events. But I also am really interested in why we buy like, why do we consume? Why do we buy? So that was where I started. And I ended up creating merch for bands and like working with bands and understanding the music scene and the artist scene. And then I went into my own boutique. And in my boutique, it was a little bit edgy. And I really liked giving permission to women to go outside of their norm and to like empower them to show up the way that they wanted to. So that was really beautiful for me. But then eventually, that consumer and the way that the fashion industry affects the earth. I wasn't in alignment with my core values, but I really did appreciate that moment in time. And then I switched over to events and content creation and video production. And we did like documentary where I got to be the interviewer and understand people's stories. I really fell in love with entrepreneurs because I feel like they're the, the fabric of like what our society is capable of more than big industries are. And so then I started wanting to support entrepreneurs because I knew as an entrepreneur how alone I felt a lot. And so I got really into like helping them with their branding and limiting beliefs around showing up online and on content. And then that kind of translated into coaching them. And then I realized that most of our blocks, whether they be with money or our sexuality or showing up for our businesses are really just like past traumas or conditions that we have like downloaded from the collective as we grow. And that's when I really started getting into psychedelics. And so I realized that a lot of the blocks I was helping people with were so deeply rooted in their psyche that just like talking about them wasn't enough that we needed like to somatically touch them and move them out in order to support them. So that's when I really started getting into psychedelic psychotherapy in the sense of like, I'm not a clinician, but I did facilitator training and coaching training with sex, love and relationship and with money to, really support someone in understanding how to utilize these medicines to really change their programming or to actually heal the wounds and then to come out into the world as they were always meant to. And so it was this long weaving, winding path that kind of got me to the point where like now I can interview people and find out a lot about them. I can set up beautiful experiences for them with my my event background and I can empower them to get them to, to fully show up the way that they're supposed to. So things that all didn't make sense in the past now are fully coming together right now to help me support people in that way. So it's really exciting. Mm
0: -hmm. That's so cool how it all weaves together. Wow! Mm
1: -hmm. And what's something you think we get wrong
0: about psychedelics?
1: Well, there's two major things. One is uh, if you're very fearful of them, it's probably from like propaganda that was like s- spread in the past or you're only talking to people who aren't utilizing them in a way that keeps them safe. So like maybe someone told you a scary story that has stuck with you. So I would say like our idea that that it is only bad or it's only a drug is is where we get it wrong. The other one is if you are open to it is thinking, that maybe it's appropriate to always work with it by yourself, because we are so close to ourselves that we don't really see some of the programs that are running or we need support with understanding what do I actually want living in my psyche? And can I use your reflection of me to actually know more about myself? And so the thinking that you can like just do a bunch of trips by yourself or a microdose by yourself when you're actually trying to make like a huge progress or a big leap or jump timelines in your life, then I think thinking you can do it alone is a mistake, just because integration is one of the biggest parts. And so actually talking about things and actually doing practices in your life outside of your psychedelic experiences are really where I believe the rubber kind of meets the road.
0: So interesting. And could you go more into like when you like talk about stuff or like when you just hit it at the surface level, how nothing really changed in terms of like our patterns or our beliefs or our blocks? Like, what's the difference between staying at that level versus going with like psychedelics? And like, is it a continuous practice to be able to eliminate those blocks?
1: Good question. I love that question. So, in our society right now, we're currently just intellectualizing our issues. So, when we talk to a therapist or a coach, then I can like intellectualize where I'm falling short or where I'm blocked or where my limiting beliefs might be. But there's like three parts to us, in my opinion there's our rational mind, and then there's our subconscious that is connected to our body. And so, like, a lot of our traumas and programming actually lives in our body. Like, we will actually shut down around certain experiences. So like fear of speaking, your body will actually shut down, right? And so intellectualizing and then taking an antidepressant to where you don't feel into your body, like that doesn't make any sense to me. So we need to bring it deeper into our body. But we're so good at shoving all of that down because we don't typically have the space and the time and the support to actually deal with those things that they're they're pretty locked down, right? And so we need that catalyst to like either break through that or give us a permission to open that can of worms with the sacred space to do so. And so I believe that it's not only knowing what your problems are, but to feel them out of your body and then to actually plant the narrative that you want in there and then do practices over time to support that plant actually taking root and actually living within your psyche. So it's a mixture of microdosing, working with someone, having bigger experience around like really deep rooted roots that need to get pulled out. And then like constantly having the practices that are gonna support the blocks that you have. So you might have uh, for sure have different blocks than maybe me. And so we need different practices in order to support ourselves with those things that we're trying to change. And so it's a big combination of everything. And so the people who actually work with a facilitator and maybe have a therapist and a coach or a person that is all three of those and then they also have friends that are maybe experimenting with this as well. That's when major change starts happening. And it doesn't take a lot and it doesn't take years and years and years. It's actually much quicker with this modality in this medicine, but it is dedication, right? It's like I will diligently devote time to working on this with this person, with this medicine for this type of container, right? And then after that, intuitively bringing it back into your life as needed when things things pop up so that's at least my take on it all
0: Hmm. and for someone who's maybe like a bit worried like they have ideas about like this could go wrong or like what if something Mm -hmm. happens like where's like a good starting point if like they won't are interested want to learn more
1: Mm -hmm. yeah good the idea i talk to a lot of people that are very afraid of this because they think that they're gonna have to start with like a hero dose and they're all of their skeletons are going to come out of their closet all at once and that's definitely not what i suggest i suggest working with someone to where you actually get to ask a lot of questions in the beginning that you actually become comfortable with the medicine in very small doses. And which is why I love microdosing so much. So by the time you understand even what your intention is for a bigger experience, you really trust your facilitator. You really trust the medicine and you really understand what you're doing. Otherwise, the people that kind of just jump in the deep end right in the beginning, you're not really able to focus on anything. It's more of just like an acclimate of jumping in and going what the hell is this right so your brain and body are like whoa and and that's important right but that's just the first step so then they do that and they're like well I didn't get anything out of that it just blew my mind right and so it's always like working on what's right for you and starting with a very small amount and working with someone that you can literally continue to ask questions and be there for you on that process you will find that there are really no bad trips especially if you're really preparing for them and you trust the medicine, you trust your facilitator, you have put together the time and effort into what does my trip look like? Did I prep for it? And am I going to do proper integration afterwards to make sure that that trip wasn't for nothing, that I'm actually going to see lasting change after it.
0: Hmm. And I'm wondering for you, because going back to like your reference of like you're opening up Pandora's box, essentially of like your trauma, whatever happened, things that have been suppressed for you. Or if you notice like with one of the client's that you've worked with like the thought of like oh it's already been so long you know I've already like suppressed the stuff for so long like why go and like unravel this box like mm-hmm. what have you done or like what have you told them about like starting to unravel that
1: yeah so another good question a lot of questions I've never been asked before that I really appreciate your monsters are doing push-ups in the closet just because you have them locked in there doesn't mean that they are not affecting your life, right? So energy does not disappear, it only moves. And so that energy, that trauma energy, that trauma patterning subconsciously is affecting your life. Even if you're not crying every day over it, it is keeping you safe in ways that are making you really small, smaller than you were intended to be, or they will manifest as disease. A lot of women that I work with, they have autoimmune diseases that their doctors can't cure that they've tried everything and after doing some somatic releasing all of a sudden it mysteriously goes away right and so that's the thing is that whether or not you have like tightly wound it up in this beautiful little bow it's still affecting you whether you know it or not or whether you can feel it or not and we get so used to living in that pain that we don't feel it but once you relieve that pain you're like oh wow this is how I'm actually supposed to be existing on the planet. And so that's the thing that I've realized is like, it's not enough, you're supposed to have more, you're supposed to experience deeper depths of joy and bliss and ecstasy and pleasure, than you're probably currently able to tap into at this point, because of the blocks and the trauma and the fear that you might have living in your body.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And what's something like you were surprised about when you started to do this work, started to work with like all these different entrepreneurs, maybe something you weren't expecting to come out of like doing microdosing and like having this experience for them. What's something you would say?
1: It's not a coincidence that one of my biggest blocks and wounds is like fear of intimacy. Uh, it was always very hard for me growing up. So I love that it's my medicine now in the sense that it's my job to talk to people about very sensitive, intimate things all of the time. So like when I had my boutique and I worked with a, a bunch of young women, if they would cry to me, I would be very uncomfortable around it because I did not know how to support myself or anyone else with emotions. And now I literally will talk to people all day long that are crying on on my Zoom calls. And so it's very much my medicine that I'm doing this work and that it's showing me the power of intimacy because I love the people that I work with so much that it just proves that intimacy leads to love. And so that's definitely something that I needed to witness. But I didn't understand why I wanted to do this work so bad and why I was so passionate about it when it was so outside of my wheelhouse and now after a couple of years of doing it I understand exactly why and so that was a surprise to me but a delightful surprise at the same time Mm
0: -hmm. that's a big fear fear of letting people close fear of like sharing too much letting people in judgment all those Mm -hmm. and hmm. and like with like having people like on zoom calls all day like having them cry like feeling all the emotions of the people next to you do you ever feel like those emotions carry on to you or do you ever feel like kind of exhausted? it at the end of the day <laughs> or like how do you kind of process like the different emotions that come up?
1: Yeah, so... Thank goodness my the training that I did, there was a lot of energetic hygiene associated with it. So I definitely have practices that support me. That's not to say, though, that I am not obviously affected by some of the things that I hear, because I hear everything now, like anything that the human like our society is possible or capable of I hear. And so I definitely am working with like, what does that look like for me? And it's definitely I can't came out of the gate thinking I want to help anyone and everyone that this medicine and modality is appropriate for. And now I'm realizing that I can't save or help everyone. And I can't exhaust myself because it, it's out of integrity for me to preach to my the people that I work with that they should have energetic boundaries and that they can't save the world and they can't put themselves below everyone else. And so I'm definitely working through what that looks like for me. And it's nice for me in my business that I can can do a mixture of retreats. So I actually see people in person, and it's like very pleasurable, but then also like the deep dark work of like the sessions, and then also taking time outside, like we left the city to live out in the middle of nowhere. And I think it was my higher self guiding me in that way, because I definitely take time outside to really like let all of that out of me and to transmute it into the earth. And so yeah, I'm still figuring it out. I'm not perfect at it. But I will say I'm very grateful for the energetic hygiene training that I had. If I hadn't, I do believe I would be like some of the healers that I see and work with that you can tell they have taken on a lot of that because they're themselves very unhealthy. And so um, it is something a concern to think about for sure.
0: Hmm. I'm so curious. What is energetic hygiene? I never heard of it before. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's it's actually a beautiful practice that I think everyone should utilize, whether or not you are supporting other people. Just being in a room with a lot of people, you are going to pick up on their feelings and their energies. And so it's mostly like a meditation because we do have sovereignty over our bodies and our energetic fields. And so, for instance, meditations of calling all of my energy back to my body. And then also not giving permission for any projections that have been put on me by other people to like drain my energy, any energetic cords, like so doing cord cutting and things like that is is really important. There are practices like hape where it's like that snuff that you would um, utilize up your nose. It has a bunch of other plant allies in it, but that calls your energy back to your body really quick. So doing that with a meditation is really nice. If I have a lot of dense energy that was put on me by a session because I heard some really hard things, then I literally go outside and put my bare feet on the ground and I energetically like do a cleansing. Things like sage, things like incense, like all of those practices really help you like come back to yourself. Before and after I get on calls with my clients, I imagine a protective field around me so that I can actually help them and support them and not get pulled into their pain or their drama. Because it's literally not as supportive as I could be if I was feeling them energetically that hard, and so yeah, it's kind of like a protection in the beginning, and then at the end I do a cleansing, and so it might seem like crazy and woo-woo to a lot of people, but I feel it in my body when I get lazy with it and I don't do it. There was times when I it was too cold to go outside, so I wouldn't do it, and then I would form these like really hard like pains in my neck, and so that's when I started realizing. Like like it is real. And I need to be really focused on protecting myself if I plan to do this work for a really long time. So that's kind of just like a weird little intro into energetic hygiene. But there are a lot of practices out there that people can utilize.
0: I love that because we pick up people's energy so much. And it's so good to know that there's a way of like releasing and clearing that energy. And like, what are you like, you feel like the most common blocks with the people that you work with?
1: So I don't only work with entrepreneurs, but I will say that entrepreneurs are this special breed of animal where we have taken our traumas and our pains and wield them for our benefit in the sense that we typically are like big people pleasers, or we push ourselves really hard, or we have this deep desire to actually feel worthy. And so sometimes getting plugged into the capitalistic model, like just takes us into shadow in that sense. And so what I've found is that working with people and showing them that you don't have to kill yourself to be successful and abundant was one of my biggest lessons and one of the things that I love sharing with people because there's definitely the same end and two different paths to get there. And so that's one, right? Like the idea that money is very hard, intimacy blocks, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, procrastination, fear of being seen, death Definitely worthiness, all of the things that all of us as humans deal with, but sometimes a little bit more heightened in entrepreneurs.
0: Hmm. Hearing all that, it sounds like a lot of entrepreneurs are linked to like overachievers
1: in a way. Mm-hmm.
0: And with that, hmm, that's so interesting because we always have like that idea that like we have to work harder to make more money. Like we never have the idea that we can actually rest and be able to make money. And with like the money blocks in particular, I'm curious, like, what do you do with them in terms of like rituals? What do you do in terms of like your process with like money blocks?
1: Yeah. So what I've realized is like uh, sexuality, money, I do- Ideas of self, all of those are energetic. And all of those can be blocked or distorted by maybe a singular wound or block or something that you were told as a child or something that you even witnessed. And so everyone is a little bit different in the sense that I need to understand what way are you coming at money? Like, do you believe that it's evil or the people that have it are evil? Were you told that there's like a very like scarcity mindset around it? Are you afraid of like who you will become with that money, all of these things, right? Like there's ancestral ideas of money that we need to like clear and understand. There's like programming that's currently coming in from your experience on the planet from the moment you were born until now. And then there's definitely a lack of clarity that people have of what you would actually do with that money and how it benefit the world and the environment around you. And so that's conscious entrepreneurship in the sense that the universe will have a hard time I'm handing you that kind of power and money if it doesn't know and if you don't know what you're trying to do with it, right? And so there's a um, very soulful ways about understanding money as energy and working to heal any wounds or ideas that you have about it, but then also opening yourself energetically. A lot of us are so blocked that any type of abundance, abundance of health, connection, wealth, all of that will have a hard time getting into our systems if we are like truly just energetic energetically blocked. And so yeah, kind of a hard question to answer. But each person might be a little bit different with how you would deal with their money blocks and understanding how they actually are perceiving it and what they want to do with it.
0: Mm. And what's one of the biggest lessons you've learned from one of your clients?
1: I guess it's kind of a collective. I'm not a mother and I probably never going to become one, but I do work with a lot of mothers. And so, um, and in having a mother and a mother wound and a sister wound and a witch wound, it's understanding what that does to a woman. So, I had a lot of aha moments, which allowed me to have a lot of empathy for other women, my mother, myself, in working with women. Right. And so, The biggest lesson that I've learned in working with women is how much weight we have on us, all the projections that we have on us, the rules that we have on us, the lack of safety that we all feel, the disconnection that we all feel to each other. It was just, it became very apparent to see patterns that we're all dealing with a lot of the same things. And so that's why I got really passionate about working with women. And one of my um, dearest friends that I've done a lot of retreats with, we've decided to do the wild woman mystery school in the sense of rewilding is really important in the sense that healing wounds that we have which it could be a disconnection with mother earth it could be a wound that we have with our mother or with our sisters and is women in general right it could be how sad you feel about the projections cast upon you in the patriarchy all of that needs attention and needs to be looked at and understood and healed over time and so I think I was very blind to it before I started witnessing it in this capacity. Hmm. Your retreats sound like so much fun. What else do you do at your retreats? Uh, Well, there's a bunch of different types of them. Um, Some of them are like very much like – deep soul work. They're still fun. We still have a a few of the practices and experiences that are like deeply joyful. There are some that are like very intense, right? So it's this nice mixture of the two. There are some for couples that are very much just fun because a lot of times couples just need to start with fun because they've gotten so far away from it. And then eventually, the really deeply healing ones are a nice thing to get into. But yeah, it's a mixture of rewilding retreats to experiences with, with different types of medicines in different countries and or couples retreats. So it's different programs for each of them, but all very fun and fulfilling work.
0: And what's something you noticed from the couples that you worked with? Like one of the themes you noticed in terms of their relationships?
1: Something that was very monumental for my relationship was understanding the blocks that I've helped a lot of couples with. And that is projection, is that we all project onto each other our wounds and our pain and our ideas. And we don't take the time to understand each other deeply. And that means ourselves. And then it also means our partner and so men are very misunderstood in a lot of ways and women are very misunderstood in a lot of ways and so it does take a lot of work to understand yourself and to understand your partner and then understand what to do with that going forward and i think that it's very hard once you're already very entangled with like kids and 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 jobs and like uh, obligations that you are feel overwhelmed in doing that amount of work but it can be deeply fulfilling because in the grand scheme of things, the partner that you choose to be with, especially have children with will affect you the rest of your life, whether or not you stay with them in in a marriage or not. And so it's a lot of work, but in my opinion, it's worth it. So yeah, it's it's really just the idea of projections that and how those affect us in our lives for sure.
0: Hmm. And Do you have any like rituals that you do with your partner?
1: So we've started doing a lot of the practices that I ask my People to do because I would be uh, wrong for not doing them myself. So we check in with each other and see like, where do you feel like our relationship is leaving you high and dry? Or where do you need extra support right now? Or what's like really setting the couple bubble up to say, like, share with me some of the deep fears or worries or stresses that are coming up for you that'll allow me to be more empathetic to how you're acting, rather than me just seeing it as you being. a bad mood and then also we do at least one big experience with each other a year to really like bring the walls down and heal the thousand little cuts that happen throughout the year and so that type of experience has been major for our relationship but I mean to be honest with you I see it as one of my number one jobs to give myself the life that I want and then to also understand who I am to this person and so we don't see it as like valuable because it's not a high paying job but in. In all actuality, the energy that comes out of it is very high paying, right? And so that's the thing is just devoting more time to it and understanding to it. So practices like microdosing with each other or having weekly meetings or getting away with each other more, actually getting the kids watched and, and really getting to know each other and being there for each other and being supportive is a really way to go about it or a really good way to start at least. Mm, so
0: beautiful I'm wondering like at the beginning when you started to ask like what part of our relationship you know isn't the best right now did you ever have any fear come up for you like when you first said that about like judgment of like oh no like I might not be a good partner because they said this or this
1: oh yeah I think that's why it's such hard work for people to do because the answers to a lot of the hardest questions are impossible to swallow at times so like is this relationship really feeding me does It have the potential to get to the point where it does? Do you actually want to be here? Will you do the work that it takes? Who are you as a person? And do your core values still align with mine at this point, seven years later? Will you allow me to transform into the person that I want to be? Where am I fucking this up, right? And, and that's so hard to witness and see. And to also in a really wounded situation, bring up because your partner is likely to go see, see, ha, like, it's very much a salt in the wound type experience because they're so hurt. And so that's why I really like the softening that comes from either MDMA or psilocybin to just have the empathy for each other and to soften your wounds enough to do some of that work because sometimes we're all so raw or so deadened to how we feel about our relationships that it's very hard to have those those conversations.
0: Those are so many good questions to ask. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. And what's something that you do every day it's a non-negotiable for you you have to do every day part of your routine
1: meditation which is crazy because me me 5 years ago hated journaling hated meditation hated walks hated stretching hated hydrating myself like everything that i am like a stickler about now or at least trying to be at all times and my world has completely changed right so it was hard for me to believe buy into the hype that sitting in meditation for a, a few minutes a day was really going to make that big of a difference to me but there's a huge difference in my day when I don't do that and so my meditation is a mixture of gratitude where I like have on my altar the things that remind me of the, that are gifts in my life that I can really just sit in love and reverence to and that gratitude has really affected my mood and my grounding into my existence and then also thinking about what I'm trying to manifest or create in the world on a daily basis is really important and then obviously connecting to my spirituality what my spirituality looks like the people the gods the mother nature that I connect with like actually taking the time to do that has been major for me and so yeah I guess that that ritual is non-negotiable for me I have to do it and if I don't I'm a cranky person <laughs>
0: yeah it's funny the rituals that we have to not be cranky right like some of <laughs> mine are just like to make me like in a better mood <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and like what's something you're learning right now it could be any area of your
1: life? Oh, um, so it's interesting. I know that I have this in my lineage. I think one of my grandmothers was called like a gypsy. And then my grandmother was a nurse and my mom's a massage therapist. And I was always disconnected from thinking of myself as like a healer or a medicine woman because I didn't know what my medicine bag looked like. And now it's interesting that I've always been such a crazy plant lady, as you can see behind me. And there were always like tropical plants living in Texas and because I loved keeping them alive and they made me feel like I was not living in a desert, but my partner and I just up and left Austin after 15 years and came to the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia and walking around out here, almost like you could say that 80 to 90% of the plants out here are medicinal, and so a really like double-clicking into my medicine lady to understanding herbology, understanding teas and tinctures and what Ways to not only support myself, but the people that I work with has been really exciting to me, like the plant spirit world and how it even correlates to the mushroom world and healing yourself through the, the gifts that nature has given us has been really cool for me. I've turned into a giant tea nerd where I just am constantly like a mad scientist coming up with the, the best concoctions for certain things. So that's where like my head is definitely at right now, learning everything that I can in in that world.
0: Hmm. Seems like the perfect location for a plant lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have a final question for you. So if you were to go back in time and talk mm-hmm. to your 20-year-old self, what would you want to tell her? Or if you want to tell her nothing at all, that's an option as well. Mm.
1: Yeah, I guess obviously the path that I took brought me to here. So I don't, I wouldn't want to skew it too much because I'm so happy with where I am. But I'm a, a month away from turning 37 and I in my 20s, I could not even imagine getting to 30. I felt like 30 was was so old and and I was weirded out by the idea of aging and now I've really softened into it. But at the same time, presence, I was very much lacking in presence, which I don't know if you're if you're capable of it completely in in your 20s. But I wasn't as present as I wish that I could have been. And I know that that had a lot to do with like my wounds that I was numbing with alcohol or with cannabis or with like being out all of the time or working myself to death but being hyper present in those sweet moments like even drinks with friends or cuddling with my dog on the couch or going on a walk I was letting my head spiral into a billion different worlds in those moments and so that's the only thing I would go back and tell my 20 year old self is if you can practice being a little bit more present in the moments that you find and hold dear
0: Mm, I love that answer. Beautiful.
1: I loved interviewing you today. Yay. I loved your questions. They were so good. Thank you. Thank you. And where
0: can we find you? Where can we connect with you?
1: Yeah. So I'm uh, at this point, who knows what's going to happen with Instagram, but I'm very active on Instagram. I'm also looking forward to a a different platform where we can express ourselves a little bit more freely. So knocking on wood that that comes around. Wild Woman Mystery School on Instagram or Mushroom Mamacita both of them are where you can find me two projects that i'm working on that i love so much and i always answer lots of questions and dms and then also my website so i'll send you all that you could put in show notes but yeah if you if you hear this and this resonates with you feel free to reach out to me with any questions
0: thank you guys so much for listening i love if you can leave me a review on itunes please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with i hope you guys have a great rest of your day